Welcome rock and metal fans. Coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal. B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s and today. Playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests and more. So grab a beer and turn it up. It's time for the Headbangers Vault. Welcome to the Hit Bangers Vault. I am the B1 Bomb. I'm the Smuts. What's up, everyone? And tonight, Smuts, we got a very special guest. Big guest. From the band Deliverance. This is Jimmy Brown. Wow. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm well. How are you guys? Oh, great. Very good. Thank you for coming on today. Super glad to be on. And as a special treat, this is the Smuts' birthday today. Yeah, it is my birthday today. So this is super Oh, is it? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Happy birthday, man. Thank Happy you. Happy birthday. Thank you. He's pretty stoked right I now. I am. Man, this is the best present I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jimmy, we'd like to first start off and say we loved your performance at the Immortal Fest. Yep, we, we were, were there. both there, and we loved it. Oh, that's good. Uh, we hated it, but it was all oh. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we loved it. Now, why'd you hate now it? We, oh, we just, you know, you know the old saying, you're your worst critic. You know, you're your right. own worst critic. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I never watch videos, but uh, Manny, uh, who's been my longtime sidearm uh, and right hand in the band, uh, you know, he insisted that I watch the videos. And so I'm like, okay. And, and I watched through them. And yeah, I just, you know, we weren't as tight as I'd like, but, you know, it's, it, I think we sounded pretty good for the band only getting together once before the show. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, you know, cause it's, it's tough, you know, cause I'm in Las Vegas. The guys are, uh, Jim's out in central California. Glenn's in Southern California and Manny's in Austin, Texas. So we're all spread apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we got together for a weekend and rehearsed here in Vegas. And, uh, you know, it sounded pretty good towards the end. But, you know, things, the dynamics always change when you play live, you know, because you got the audience you're feeding off of, you've got uh, adrenaline happening. So, you know, things, you know, tempos change, performance changes. Uh, and I always forget, I always forget about uh, concerts and they just, and their love of using, you know, fog and that fog juice. And that fog oh, juice yeah. always messes with me, uh, with my, <laughs> with my, with my throat because it dries my throat out massively. Mm. So, you know, and, and there wasn't a ton of water on stage. So, you know, I was kind of like, you know, grappling for water here and there, but you know, I, mean, I think for not having performed since, uh, 2019 out in Europe, I, I think we sounded pretty good, but, um, oh, I, I thought you sounded yeah, great. We, we enjoyed it greatly. Yeah. I thought you sounded great. Mm. That's awesome to hear because, you know, like I said, uh, I was just uh, going back and just like, oh, gosh, and there were some things that, you know, that were being played that wasn't right. And uh, it was just, you know, from from those, like I said, you're your own worst critic. So you kind of like step step back and go, oh, man, that really sucked. But uh, for the most part, people are there to see you. I mean, they're they're there to see you. They don't necessarily know you're going to like hit it 100%. I mean, everyone knows sure. you're alive, you know, so. Yeah, and we've never seen you guys over in this part of the country yeah. either. So it was it's awesome. Like, oh, really wow. Awesome. Yeah, loved it. 
I don't know, has Deliverance wow. ever performed over here more in the Midwest? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back, I mean, back in the day, like, we used to play in Columbus a lot at the, at a place called King's Place. Okay. Um, yeah, we played there, gosh, almost every tour, you know, that went okay. through from nine, from 1990 to 1995. Okay. So, um, Is that called the and then King's we played Club Cincinnati. Now? I don't, I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't even know if it was still around, but it was they're, a cool they're, place they're, when we used to play. Awesome. And then we played... Yeah. Uh, we played a place out in Cincinnati too. Uh, I think it was Cincinnati or Cleveland called the Aurora. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, we played there a few times. I, I loved that club. That was that was a lot of fun. Did you guys ever play at Cornerstone before? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we we played on. there. We yeah we played there in 1990, 1993, and then we did the reunion 2000 or 2001. Okay, yeah. Awesome. So. Well, Jimmy, we're gonna take you back a little bit here tell us <laughs> tell us about the beginning of your career and how it all started for you oh dear god that's a yeah that's a, like a, like i love to say it's a trip down amnesia lane okay. uh let's see here so uh you know del- deliverance uh, you know it started just very simple you know it's just uh i was 15 and uh i'd been playing for a few years uh already you know playing in some cover bands and doing stuff like that um but uh you know i i had been jamming with uh, a bass player who used to jam with my brother now my brother's nine years my senior so this guy was nine years my senior and um you know we we, we were trying our best i was writing all the songs and and we were we put together a cool little group um with with uh, different members um but it just wasn't kind of going the direction i wanted it to go and so because I, I, I didn't want to play, I didn't want to be a carbon copy of Striper, you know, mm-hmm, and that's right, kind of where, right. where we were. So, you know, I wanted to do heavier music. And so uh, I ended up, at, you know, exiting out of that incarnation of the band. And I put an ad out and we, I ended up hooking up with a guy named Chris Hyde, who was the drummer for Holy Soldier. Ooh, and I didn't know that. Yeah. And he, he had just quit Holy Soldier and Terry Russell replaced him. But uh, Chris came on board, and he and I started jamming, and then uh, now, now it was time to look for a bass player. And uh, so we put an ad out in the recycler out, out here in L.A., like we you know we always did. And, mm-hmm. and um, or I should say out there, I'm in Las Vegas now. But uh, so we, we put an ad out, and the guy named Manny Morales answered, and he showed up. And, and I'll never forget, we were... We were all kind of sitting there, and I, I showed them a couple of my songs, and and we were kind. Of, I was trying. They were trying to learn them, and I said, "Well, you know, why don't we just? I want to see how this feels." I go, "Do you guys know any, you know, any striper songs?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I'm like, "Okay, well, let's play soldiers." So we played soldiers, soldiers under command, and and uh, it was cool. It sounded good, and and I'm like, uh, "You guys don't happen to know any like." secular music right i mean you know, i know we're christians but i mean do you guys like know any black sabbath mm-hmm. or iron maiden nice and yeah. uh and the guys are like oh uh well yeah yeah kind of i'm like well kind of not gonna do it i mean do you guys know <laughs> this song or not? so we ended up playing uh heaven and hell and lady evil and and uh paranoid and and right away we, we just we all fit like a glove awesome. and so we need we needed that extra guitar player though because i i in in my writing i was writing a lot of dual guitar harmony stuff so we we auditioned a few different guys we were playing with and actually we played with a guy named rick hawksinger for a while and he ended up uh 
uh, getting a girl in trouble, if you know what I mean. And so, yeah, and, and, yeah, and Chris Hyde just like would not have that in the I band. Don't know and, you know, about he, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we that ended that relationship. But then Chris tells me, you know, I know a guy. He plays in Holy Soldier, uh, but he's getting ready to leave. So uh, let's go. They're playing a show, and it's his last show. And I said, okay. So we we pile in in Chris's truck, and we go to this show. And uh, Holy Soldier comes out and they're playing and their guitar player is like all the way to the, the left hand side of the stage. And he looks, he does not look like he fits them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. got, you know, his tongue hanging out and he's playing on a wall pedal. And he's just like, <laughs> oh, man. I go, this is the guy for me, man. Yeah. He's like a Zach, he was a Zach Wild before there was a Zach Wild. Like, yeah. And, uh, so right afterwards we, we go up to him and I introduce myself and he goes, oh, I'm Larry, I'm Larry Farkas. And I'm like, Oh, well, nice to meet you, Larry. I go, we have a, we, we have a little garage tape we want you to hear. And, and he listened to it and he's like, you guys don't need another guitar player. And I go, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying, you guys don't need a guitar player, another guitar player. And I said, dude, why don't you take the tape, learn the songs and uh, why don't you we just show up and rehearse and let's just see how it feels. So Larry shows up and uh, a couple weeks later and, and boom, it just, everything fit like a glove. We started playing shows and it just worked. And, and so it was me, Manny and Chris and Larry Farkas. And okay. uh, yeah, so that, that's how Deliverance started that's officially. Awesome. <laughs> that, that is awesome. Now, didn't Larry play in Vengeance Rising too? He sure did. He, he well, that's, a few years later, okay. two years later, exactly in '87, he okay. he spun off from us and he went with with Vengeance. Okay, and uh, then that began our endless search for a guitar player. Right. <laughs> right. Is that where George came into the fold right then, or? Oh no, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, George was way way, way far off. But that that's when we got Glenn Rogers. Okay, I've heard him. Uh, yeah, first first we had a couple other dudes. We had Mike Van Ash play with us for a little bit, and then we had a guy named Marcus Cologne who later went on to form Betrayal. We 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 started doing that, and uh, and and once we solidified and locked in with Glenn, we met Glenn when we were recording for the California Metal session, and okay. um, we did the California Metal album. And Glenn was playing with a band called Hero, which was with the old singer from Holy Soldier, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up taking Glenn because after I talked to Glenn, Glenn said, "Yeah, I was in Vengeance, and that Larry replaced me." And, and he goes, and I wrote most of their songs. I'm like, Oh, well then you should fit in like a glove with us. So it just kind of worked out, you know? <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. For sure. So we recorded, we recorded, uh, the infamous greetings of death, uh, greeting of death demo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we started off with 50 copies and then, uh, within a year, the, the place I was buying all the cassettes from a place called Imperial tape company out in Santa Monica said, Hey, uh, you, you bought 5,000 cassettes from us. I'm like, really? Wow. I didn't even realize that, you know? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we, we let a couple of record companies know about you. And, oh, uh, awesome. and so now all of a sudden we got a little interest. Mm-hmm. So, but we, we, you know, I was still underage, I, you know, I, I you know, I did, didn't really know what to do and how to, how to go about everything. Right. And, um, so after my dad, fate, you know, ill-fatedly, uh, tried to negotiate a deal with, uh, frontline records. <laughs> uh, we walked out and they asked me, when do you turn 18? And I said, well, next year, or I guess, or whatever. And, 
And trust me, they contacted us. But I was born, actually, by other bands that were on Frontline Don't Sign With Them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is a funny story. So we end up signing with Intense Records out of Chicago. This label uh, with the owner's name was Cesar Kalinowski. And uh, we signed a contract with them in 1988. I'm 18 now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we end up recording demo after demo after demo after demo. I mean, it was getting ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when are we just going to go in and record an album, dude? Why do you keep mm-hmm. having us do all these demos? And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we got radio silence from the guy for like three months. We didn't hear a word. And uh, he called me at my folks' house and said, uh, hey, I'm in town. Uh, I want to hook up with you. And I'm like, oh, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just let's meet for lunch. So we went and met for lunch. And uh, he said, hey, uh, just to let you know, I sold the, the record label. And I'm like, you sold it? And he's like, yeah, you know, oh. I, got, I got a good price for it. And uh, this this label really loves you guys. And they really wanted you. And I go, who did you sell it to? And we get in his car and he drives me to Frontline Records. They actually <laughs> bought Intense Records. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> Catch that 22. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So we That's end awesome. up on the label we were trying to avoid, you know. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, Frontline was really good to us. Um, you know, they. I remember when we went into our first meeting, you know, we had to re-sign, you know, everything. And we sat there and, and they just looked at all of us and they said, okay, so who writes all the songs? Is it all of you? And Brian, Chris, and Glenn point at me. And then they give the rest of the guys a tour and they have me sign a brand new agreement all by myself oh. without the guys. Oh, oh no. Uh, because, because I'm the songwriter. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. I go, what about the other guys? You know, and they're like, well, well, you know, they're going to, we'll worry about them later. You know, we just want to take <laughs> no, care of the songwriter at no, this time. No. And now you got to remember all the other guys are like five, six years older than me. Right. And so I didn't tell them anything. They didn't tell me anything. We, were just, we just kind of were happy. We were finally going to get in the studio. They said, oh, we got a great producer. And I said, no, we got a great producer. I go, Bill Matoyer, who produced Slayer, Hella Waits, and Flotsam oh. and Jetsam and DRI. Mm-hmm. That, that's who we want to, to produce us and we can get them. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. We'll pay for it. And so we, we did it. And thus the first album was born. And but <laughs> right in the middle of recording it, all of a sudden my uh, bass player, Brian Carilla at the time, you know, takes me aside and says, Hey man, he didn't want you to know, but I got to tell you, you know, uh, Glenn's leaving. He's joining oh. some band in Europe. Oh, and I'm oh. like, what? Oh, I was so, I was so mad. I was hurt. Right. And, right. and, you know, cause I mean, it had taken us so long to find a good replacement for Larry. And yeah, it was just, it was just a little bit of a bummer. And then we ended up kind of having a little bit of a feud. I mean, we had a okay leave with each other, but I, I was just still upset. Ended up rewriting. I mean, right there. I mean, we were, me and Bill were recording guitar parts and I, and there was little parts that Glenn wrote here and there. And I ended up rewriting them because I was so uh, mad at him. And, uh, and, uh, it, but there was one song of Glenn's that we couldn't take off the album because it was just too good on its own temporary insanity. So we just left mm-hmm. it on there. And, uh, but so he took off and, uh, now we were searching for another guitar player. Mm. So at this point, that's when Roger Martinez called me and said, Hey man, I, I know a guy, he, you know, he goes, you probably know him too, but I don't really want to tell you who he is. He's in a band that's kind of up and coming, but he's, 
he's really interested in joining and with you. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, so let's, uh, let's hook up this Saturday. They're playing. We'll go and we'll sit and we'll talk and blah, 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 blah. And it was George Ochoa. So that's when I hooked up with George. And, uh, what was the band that George played in that you went and checked out? Oh, it was Recon. Oh yeah. That's right. I've heard of that. Yeah. He used to have that. Cause yeah. Yeah. You know, so he, he left Recon did, did our record. And now, now, now after this, after he joined, we went and did our first tour touring the first album. So then we came back and started working on the, the follow-up, which was Weapons. And, you know, the rest is history. You know, after that, you know, you know, just the, the, the revolving member changes. And I brought Manny back uh, for a few years and, and uh, just uh, started cultivating the styles of deliverance. Because, you know, a, a, I was getting older. My voice was changing. Things were different. Right. Had all sorts of different influences, you know. And so we, we just wanted to start exploring. And I didn't, as much as like I love, see, I grew up going to shows in the early 80s. So I was going to Slayer shows before Slayer was anybody, wow. you know, because they were a local, they were a local band, mm-hmm. you know. And so when I'd go see them, they were doing really sorry covers of Number of the Beast and Black Sabbath and <laughs> wow. Judas Priest and and wow, and that's, that's uh, crazy. But, yeah, but I, I was a big fan of theirs. And uh, the drummer Dale Lombardo was in the mm-hmm. same English class as my sister was oh, wow. over at the, at the high school. So <laughs> it's wow. a small so, world. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, it was it was funny because all the LA bands we all knew each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And awesome. uh, but the thing that I both loved and hated about Slayer is that every album, you know, after Rain and Blood kind of started to sound the same. And I wanted to do something different. One of the things that I loved about one of the bands I grew up with, which was Bowie, you know, obviously as as an artist, not one of his records sound the same. They all sound like some different band, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, And Zeppelin, another band I loved, you know, I mean, other than the fact it was Robert Plant and Jimmy Page and the same guys, obviously, but they they really tried changing styles, you know, you know, they, you know, from going, you go from the first album to physical graffiti, dude, they're not even the same band. Even Led Zeppelin three is completely different. Even exactly. Even three and four are, are far cry from the first album. So, and I wanted to do that stylistically. I wanted to be able to move and change and not with the times though. That was the thing I was telling everybody. I'm not trying to like keep up with the Joneses, Joneses and, and do this grunge crap. I just want to do something different. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's what we attempted. And it was just, it was so hard to assemble the right cast because every guitar player that came in thought we, they were joining a thrash band. And it was like, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing something different. And Manny was just, man, he was there for everything, thick and thin. I could have told Manny, we're doing a polka record, and he would have done it, you know? <laughs> All right. uh, uh, he, he just he just went he went for the vision, you know? He caught right. the vision. And, um, awesome. it, you know, Deliverance has had this just really wild ride altogether, man. It's just of, of uh, stylistic changes, different members, different things, different eras. But, you know, overall, I've been very, very happy, even when I thought it was going to end uh, with the release of Hear What I Say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we ended up coming back with the subversive kind. And, you know, just sometimes when you got a good thing and the fans demand it, you just want to give them something. And, 
that's it, it's just kind of being able to flow and go with what's going on inside of you at the moment mm-hmm. and record and have fun and you choose the right yeah. cast for each thing you know because right after subversive kind we were in we went right into camelot and you know camelot people are calling that uh, reviewers have called it my operation mind crime which is a huge compliment and Camelot 21 is a great record. If you haven't heard it, man, I'm saying oh, no. no, it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, we've heard. So, yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's been a wild ride. And now uh, with coming back with Immortal for the Immortal Fest, it was just uh, it was such a huge. I mean, we got there and it just felt like the, t- the whole town was just giving us a big hug, you know. Oh, and man, that's awesome. It just. It just felt right. It felt good. And, you know, we went to Sweetwater the day before. Yeah, we're, and, we're only about 45, 50 minutes from that place. Oh, so that's been, awesome. Been there yeah. before. Well, I, I've been shopping there, you know, with my same sales guy for 20 plus years, man. <laughs> and uh, awesome. it was it was so nice to actually finally get. To, I mean, when we met each other, it was like we just hugged each other for a long time. It was like, yeah, how's it going? You know, we, just so nice to meet you after all these years you know we just yeah. you know because just we've only been a voice on the phone with each other <laughs> do you and, know uh, they actually have outdoor concerts there in the summertime maybe you guys ought to consider yeah. playing there sometime yeah, that's what well, he was telling me because now i've become not an official but at the same token they still refer to me as a sweetwater artist i'm not on their roster you know being paid to do videos and all that other stuff i'm not i'm not you know sponsorship you know i haven't gotten right. i haven't received all that Hopefully you, I will one should. day. You yeah. should. Uh, yeah, they're really yeah, big around here. They're going to put uh, Guitar Center out of business. I mean, they, they've they've already been on that road, but now they're really, I mean, because Guitar Center's hurting. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I, I feel bad about that because I've been buying from GC. And, and I'm also a former employee. I worked there for uh, for a brief stint out in, uh, in the late 90s when Deliverance wasn't active. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I love that place, but, you know, I mean, it's kind of the out with the old and with the new, even though Sweetwater is really not new, but <laughs> right, right. yeah, so, but it's still cool, you know, just to see uh, where they've come and how they, you know, how they've grown. I mean, they're just like a said, but they're obviously a good company. I mean, like I said, my, my guy's been there 24 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's going to, he, he's going to retire from there. I mean, that's great. That you is know? awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> you know? So stuff like that, that's important, you know? So, so, you know, but, but when we did the immortal fest, that was when I think after we got off the stage, I think that was when, uh, the band hit me up and said, you know, do you think it's time to record another record? And I said, yeah, I think so. All right. And, uh, so we're, you know, I'm writing and, uh, I'm not, not quite sure yet where it's going. <laughs> Cause uh, I always try to stay ahead of the, uh, ahead of the eight ball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of got, just... got thrown on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to just repeat something for the sake of repeating it. Right. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, uh, she look? we're getting, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get the album for yeah. sure. I mean, you guys. Kick oh yeah, well, I'm so. excited. I'm excited yeah. about it. I'll be working with Retroactive like I usually do on this release, and uh, they're going to hopefully give it a huge push, and we'll see where it goes. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Now, Jimmy, I was going to tell you over there at BMI where you guys played, they typically pair a secular 
band with a Christian band like we have Queensryche and Sacred Warrior coming up, Stephen Piercy right, right. and White Cross, White Cross yeah. Saint yeah, and Quiet yeah. Riot. So that leads me into my next question. Do you guys ever perform with secular bands when you go on tour or has that been a thing in the past? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when Deliverance first started, that was all we did. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't we didn't play with other Christian bands. We played with uh, bands like Dark Angel and Viking okay. and uh, Testament, and you know, these oh, were the wow. bands that we that these are the bands we played with in the early eighties, mid eighties. And um, it wasn't until we did our very very first Christian rock festival. We were the opening band, and uh, it was a, there was a festival called the His Festival that all of a sudden we got labeled and branded and that was it you know because that was that was the hard part and and i realized at that point our deal and and that was a lot why glenn left the 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 fold was glenn liked the fact that we were playing in the secular realm and we were getting the name out there Mm -hmm. uh and now that we were signed to frontline you know we're going to be playing like clubs and telling people at the end of the day at the end of the show you know hey if you want to pick up our album you know go to the lighthouse christian bookstore okay you know what i'm saying right. instead right. instead of saying go to your local music store right? right yeah uh and and that made things difficult so when i realized okay this is where we're at this is what we're doing that's why i started writing strictly from weapons on it was all it wasn't it's so much evangelical as far as lyrics it was mostly to the christian audience mm-hmm. and because I knew that's where that's where our audience was then, but it, it's okay because that it was the time it was it was the time for us to do so. Right. Um, but but I wasn't going to be what Frontline wanted us to be because Frontline, you know, they used to you know all the, the the labels back then used to put out posters that they would send to the Christian bookstores and they would have on the poster like your album, and then it would have a descriptive and say, for fans of Metallica, Megadeth, Testament, Slayer, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that way, when parents came in with their kids and, hey, hey, they like Slayer, but we don't want them listening, what can we get? Oh, Deliverance, you know? <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was how that worked. And uh, there was no way I was going to be pigeonholed into becoming the Christian version of Metallica. So right. that was one, that was one of the reasons for the stylistic changes. Okay, you know? I did read an article about that about the Metallica thing. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was nonstop. But we love to answer your question. We love playing with anybody. Okay. So when we played the Headbangers Open Air uh, out in Germany, uh, we were the only Christian rock band playing. Oh, wow! And bro. <laughs> those people were singing our songs there in Germany, yeah. 8,000 miles away from my home. Yeah. Uh, they were singing the songs louder than me through the PA. That's awesome. And That's awesome. they all, they knew all the songs, especially no time. You know, I figured, okay, they're going to know weapons because of the video and blah, 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 blah. No, dude, they were singing no time and save execution. I'm super loud. I mean, you couldn't even hear, you know, it was awesome. awesome. So it was overseas fans. They just love a lot of this stuff. Even today, they still love, you know, the old school stuff. Oh yeah, man. And you know, what's funny is there, they don't, there's no differentiating it's like music is music. If you mm-hmm. sing about God or if you sing about dogs or you sing about the devil, it's like <laughs> right. music is just music, you know? Absolutely. Um, they call it white metal. 
Uh, and then like the real evil satanic stuff they call black metal. Oh, I've heard that. But they don't really, there's no, oh, this is Christian rock. They don't, yeah. they don't subscribe to that kind of thinking at all. It's, uh, just, mu- it's just music. Yeah. And that's what we love. I mean, yeah. here on the Headbangers Vault, yeah, we right. love music. That's why so we do this we podcast. Just, we just love music. Right. Don't care what it yeah. is. If it's it, good, it's good. Yeah. Now, Jimmy, did you yeah. have any favorite bands that you'd like to tour with? Any that stick out? You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a blur because um, we played with so many different bands. Um, right. But, I mean, I, we used to love to do shows with, like, The Crucified. But, you know, they've been defunct for so long and Mike mm-hmm. sold their drummer. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> uh, so, so it, it, you know, that they were one band that I loved playing with. Um, okay. And then... Uh, you know, uh, we used to love to do shows with Vengeance and stuff, but uh, Dark Angel was a great show. That was always a great show in the early days when we played with them and when we, we played with Viking. I loved it because mm-hmm. uh, the guys in Viking were just incredible. Super awesome. nice guys. Wow. Awesome. Um, yeah, they just treated us really well. Gene Hogland of Dark Angel and later Testament. Dude, he was just a, he was a fan. He would be at our shows uh, no matter what and no matter where we played he would be at the show. That's awesome. And I mean, it was just really, really cool to, to see that kind of support from the, the uh, other metal bands that were, it was so funny because, you know, they would, they would always describe me as having the wrist from hell. And then they would catch themselves <laughs> and say, Oh, excuse me, the wrist from heaven. <laughs> uh, That's good. Uh, it was so funny. It was so funny. I just laugh. I always laugh when they did that, when they did the, that description, but they were always just blown away at my riffing, you know, because right. the, because of how fast I played, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you guys still enjoy playing kind of the eighty style thrash? I mean, is that something you really enjoy? Oh, when we when we play live, I, I love to include a lot of those songs because a it's what we got our start on, right? Mm-hmm. And and b yeah, it's a challenge. It's fun, you know. And, and I love to still play. I mean, you know, I, I still do a lot of recording with Larry. Uh, for my solo music and cause Larry lives here in Vegas now. And uh, so he comes over and he's like, it cracks me up because I'll play like some of the old riffs and, and he's like, I can't believe you still can play like that. He goes, I can't even do that. You know, he's like, he's like, he goes, it's just crazy that it just hasn't left. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm kind of tripped out about it too. So I love, I love playing this stuff live. You know, I love playing this stuff live. Absolutely. It's fun. Awesome. And do you have any favorite, deliverance albums or songs that you usually include in your list uh you know uh, it's so tough you know like like the immortal fest show because they only gave us an hour mm, i was like right. man how do how do we fit a band with you know 12 studio albums how right. do we fit that into an hour set you know right, right. So I always try to include a lot of the different stuff, but uh, you know, there's no, there's no uh, mystery. Everybody knows my favorite era is the creative years, which is state of execution, learn river disturbance and yeah. Camelot. Those are my, mm-hmm. those, those are my yes. favorite years. But from the first album, I mean, it's always going to be no time victory. I love those songs. Uh, Jehovah Jireh. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs off of that. We played, we played that at the immortal. Fest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hadn't played that song in over 30 years. So that really? was really cool. That's awesome. Um, really yeah, cool. it's been a while. And uh, Weapons, I always, uh, it's two songs for me off that album, This Present Darkness and Flesh and Blood. Those are the songs I just love. The rest of the stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, pick, it's, it's pick and choose. You know, right, it's pick right, and choose right. because, cause like, Stay, 
You know, State's a fun album, but it's a transitional album. Yes, I was going to mention that, too. It did sound a transitional when I first heard that. Yeah, and so there's a lot about it I like, and there's a lot about it I hate. And part of it was we were working with new producers. We were working Mm. with Terry Taylor and Gene Eugene, and they didn't really know metal at all. They didn't know it at all. So they were learning from us. We were learning from them. And... So it was kind of like, you know, it, we were all in uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. I think by the time we did learn, it was like, okay, now we got a grasp of this. There's some coolness here. Yeah. Uh, learn ended up just a very melancholy, dark album anyway. That's um, one of me and your schmutz's favorite mm-hmm. albums from you guys. Absolutely. Oh, really? Is Learn? I, I can tell that you guys really refined your sound in that album. It was yeah. so cool sounding. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, there's just a, a vibe on it, you know. There's a real big vibe on it, and and uh, so I love a lot of the songs on that album. And then, of course, my favorite from the entire catalog to this day is still River Disturbance. Yes. And Camelot has moments, but I prefer Camelot Twenty One. Okay. Because uh, yeah, because Camelot was destroyed by the label, so uh, all the work that has gone into it, and yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> that, that, that sucks. Yes. I mean, that sucks. Yes, it does. You know, I really love Breathing Still off of River Disturbance. Still to this day, oh, that's one you. of the first thank songs you. I go to. I just love that song, and I like the whole thank album. Thank you. That's, you know, that's um, that's actually my favorite song off the whole album. Oh, yeah. wow. His breathing, cool. His breathing Still. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. Just love that song. We, we When we played it live, I don't think our audience was ready back then for us to be playing an eight-minute song live. Mm-hmm. Um but the, the response was always very overwhelming. It was nice. That's awesome. Uh, we, yeah. we, we never had lettuce and tomatoes thrown at us, so that's okay. <laughs> that's always um, good. Which, if they did, I'd just make a salad, you know, for later. You know, so it's all <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it's always a good salad. Salad's good. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about your solo stuff. I know you have the Novella 1, number 2 came out. What about the right. Jupiter 6, what was it, Fearful Symmetry? Oh, dear God. Yeah. So, so Fearful Symmetry and Jupiter 6 were basically the beginnings of my solo career. Mm-hmm. But I was too afraid to just put my name on it. So part of it is I didn't want to alienate our audience. But I knew I wanted to do something different. You know, I experimented and played and had some fun with it. Mm-hmm. But overall, I knew, okay, this is extremely different. So I don't know if we want to necessarily call it deliverance or we want to call it or or, and i'm afraid to put it under my name so i'll just come up with some band names and that's what happened with fearful and jupiter okay uh but when i finally put an end to it and said you know what i'm just gonna put something out under my own name it was the eraserhead record oh that's right i forgot about eraserhead yes yeah and eraserhead i ended up calling manny and uh, john knox who played with me on learn and river and uh let's do a record together. And uh, it just happened. It was just magic. It was just a a wonderful moment in time. And they loved the songs. Uh, We got together for about half a week uh, to just go over the songs together. And then we just started recording and then it happened, you know? So how many albums did Eraserhead Um, have? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, the band name wasn't Eraserhead. That's, everybody thinks that, but it's Mm -hmm. actually Jimmy P. Brown II. That's just the name of the album. Eraserhead. Well, that clears that up for me. Yeah, that was my first solo album, okay. that one. Now, members of my Patreon had been getting a bunch of singles from me, mm-hmm. 
for all these years, you know, uh, Patreon's going on four years now, four or five years. And so I send out a minimum of four to six singles a year to them. Okay, awesome. And novella started strictly for the patrons, but I decided to go ahead and release them as CD compilations. And that way they can, you know, they can be put together at the end of the compilation, which is, it's four parts. Okay. And, um, and we're going to do that and it's going to be cool. So, uh, but yeah, so that uh, eraser had actually started the whole solo career thing, even after the whole fearful symmetry, Jupiter six thing kind of plundered because those records didn't sell. Well, here's the weird part. So the first fearful symmetry album, the sad veil of tears didn't sell. I think the guy sold like, uh, I think retro sold like 200 units and that was it. But loss of balance came out on another label out of uh, Florida. And I first released it independently. I sold 600 units and that was just by mail order. And then this guy wanted to license it. So he licensed it and he sold 5,000 units overseas. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then after that, uh, unfortunately the owner of that label passed away in his sleep and yeah. So now we were left without a label. I I reached out to Matt because I was recording a new album for him called Jupiter six and, and it ended up getting released on retro, but I don't think retro knew what to do with it. And so it didn't sell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I did, uh, the movable walls album, which was for pink Floyd and Russian enthusiasts. And yeah, I, I don't think anybody got it. I don't think anybody understood it. So it didn't do well either. So it's just kind of, it's kind of a messed up thing, but so that's why when it moved to the eraser head record, I was a lot more happy. Not that that sold really well either, but at least it, it now that it was very, very clear that it was me, mm-hmm. uh, it made a lot more sense, you know? Okay. So I think people think people get the idea now that mm-hmm. I'm doing a solo thing, but I'm also still doing deliverance, you know? Right, right. Um, so I, I like to lend myself to all my creative stuff to my solo stuff and then try to keep deliverance on the heavy side of things. And that makes sense. So, right, right. Your Jupiter yeah. six kind of had a kind of a Bowie kind of early seventies glitter glam sound to it a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, it was it definitely intentional. Um, I wanted it to be a tribute to like the seventies glam rock, uh, glitter mm-hmm. rock. Yeah. The Bowie, Iggy, the Stooges, the babies, um, you know, that kind of stuff. I wanted it to be that kind of vibe, you know, and, okay. and it, it came across, it came across pretty well. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked it. Yeah. I like both of them. Yeah. Jimmy, it was a fun album. Jimmy, I got a question. You know, you, you like the seventies and all that. Do you like any eighties? Like, I know you're like heavier mostly, but you like, like the eighties, like any like eighties hair bands, bands or, or anything like 90s, that? Nineties, early nineties hair bands. You know, I, I wasn't really into the hair band scene. I mean, there's, there's elements of stuff that I like. I mean, you know, I've always believed you got a good song. You got a good song. It doesn't matter who's doing it. And right. like people would be shocked to know that I love Bon Jovi. I, I think Bon Jovi is <laughs> yeah. fantastic. You know, I love bon Jovi. Um, say what you will. CC from poison. I think he's a great guitar player. Yes, we were I just mean, talking about him on one of our earlier yeah, podcasts. Had a podcast on underrated guitar players. And he was he, one of them. He was uh, one. Yes. I think he is. He's an incredibly underrated guitar he's player. Awesome. Yeah. And cause he's fantastic and he's got such great tone. No, and I think he just, got, I think he just got ignored because of, their goofy presence, you know, right. But, they had a lot but, of good but, songs. You know, just, and that's the other to thing it. too. 
that's the other thing. Great songs. They really do have good songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no one really um, actually like listened to it. They just looked at them. Yeah. No, you know, they not this. The song, As the stage so, presence you know. and not the yep. cool songs that they did. Yeah, because they actually were writing great, great material. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and like, say what you will of the crew, there's some great stuff that came off of every one of their albums. Primarily for me, I just like, the, you know the, the the album that made all the hair stand up on my arm was Doctor Feelgood. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely, that's a great album. That's the best that, one, man. I just I listen to that and it's just like wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just huge, gigantic, big, heavy, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think Vince sounded better than ever. Yeah, yeah um, that, that album just feels like it all came together, together at that moment, at that time. Yeah, it just yes. all came and happened. So, oh, it's a it's a great record. I mean. I know that people think "Shout at the Devil's just like dorky, but dude, there's some good songs oh, on that love too. Good songs, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, for me in the '80s, I think I was listening. I'm just gonna shoot straight. The the most stuff I was listening to at that time was like Flock of Seagulls, Gary Newman. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that stuff. You know, wow. I was super into all the electronica stuff mm-hmm. from the set, late crazy. 70s and the early yeah, 80s. Yeah, Blondie and yeah. All- and I that's the other thing, yeah. live a few months ago. He, he opened up Oh, for that's min- awesome. He opened up for ministry. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they that's were awesome. Fort Wayne not too yeah. long ago. Yeah, it, it was really Oh, good. that's super cool. I, I love Gary Newman, Way Army. I love, I, ministry was another one. You know, early KMFDM and, and all that stuff that was coming out in the early 80s that was still on the super uber underground mm-hmm. was just killer to me. Yeah. And then like you just mentioned, like the post-punk bands, like Blondie and, and the pretenders and uh, you know, stuff like that. That's what I was really listening to a lot awesome. of. Yeah. But when it came to rock and metal, I mean, there's no one could deny how amazing Maiden was. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, awesome. dude, you listen, you listen to the first album, you listen to Killers, and it's just like, it's mind-blowing how awesome they are, mm-hmm. right? And then Peace of Mind came out, and I hadn't heard a thing. I was there at the record store the day it got unboxed, and I saw it, and I went, who's this? Where's Paul Diano? You know? <laughs> and I was really mad. I was like, oh, I don't want to buy this album. And then right. the, the record store owner puts on Where Eagles Dare, and that yeah. was it for me. Yeah, I was yeah. done. Yeah. I was done. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is Iron Maiden. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just, Bruce, man, King, Bruce Iron is Maiden. Just, yes. He's just crazy. Is that why you guys covered Where Eagles Dare? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that was, that was the first. I mean, like I said, I was a huge fan of the first two albums anyway. I mean, especially, uh, you know, I remember having like all the imports and uh, of Purgatory and uh, all the different little maxi singles yes. and the, the colored oh, vinyl yeah. and, and all this stuff. I loved all that stuff. And then Killers, just a great record, you know, yes. Murders in the Room War, dude. That's I awesome. mean, come on. Yeah. But but then, like I said, you, you heard that, and then Ace's High hit next. And, Ooh, power slave. And yes. uh, I was like, wow, they can't get any better than this. So I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, I, I remember Power Slave hit, and I was just listening to it, and I went to go see them at the Long Beach Arena. And I was like, it just won't get any better. And then somewhere in time comes. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, how could they keep getting better? Oh you know, God. I mean, they're. They were just Favorites. amazing. It's yeah, and I love that album. Somewhere in time blew me away. Um, yeah, so I think that's one album that I could put on 
and let it play from start to finish yes. without skipping a track. Amen. You know? I still have the poster hanging up right now in my garage of somewhere <laughs> oh, in town. Oh, that's awesome. I'm looking at it. Original that's, from when I was awesome. a teenager. Oh, dude, I am such a dork that I have, uh, I have like all their, uh, what are those little rubber dolls that they, that they, they make? Uh, yeah, those Funko or whatever they're. Yeah, Funko Pops. Yeah. yeah, I've got I've got all the Maiden, the whole the whole set. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> do you have the, Do you have the Power Slave one? That's really cool. I got that for Christmas. Oh yeah, like I said, I've got every release, and I've even got the four pack with the glow in the dark. You know, oh wow, um, the look wow. into that. Yeah, oh yeah, the four pack's really killer because it's, it's the first four albums and the th- and it's the first four different Eddies. Wow. It's amazing. That is, um, I'm going to be getting that one. Oh yeah, uh, they're really really cool. Looking and then the that. somewhere in time and yeah, I am a diehard Maiden fan. There's no yeah. question. I, I think Same as here. far as metal, the only thing I was really paying attention to at that time in the '80s was was Dio, of course, because oh, uh, yeah. when he jo- when he joined Sabbath, I already knew who Ronnie James Dio was because he sang a song called uh, "Mask of the Great Deceiver" on a Carrie Lipgren album yeah, that's called right. AD. Wow. Yes, he did. And of course, he was an elf. And if you were in the underground stuff, you knew yeah. who Elf was, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And, and of course, he sang in Rainbow, you know, which, yeah. you know, anything Richie Blackmore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when he went solo and with Vivian Campbell on guitar, oh. it's like, oh, my God. There's just nobody. I mean, to me, he is the voice of metal. I don't think anybody awesome. comes close. Have you seen his documentary on HBO that came out a few months ago? That is really no. cool. Yeah, you got to check that out. It no. is awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I did not know yeah. that they even at HBO yeah. was cool enough to actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I no. mean, they were cool enough to do a, a Bowie doc, but I didn't know they did one on Dio. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's almost like it's almost like MTV played a video. Oh yeah, exactly. It's yeah. that shocking. Isn't that terrible? Uh, so he was always on my radar. Iron Maiden was on my radar, and then there's no question that when the Reich came on board in '83 or '84, whenever the, their first record, the, the first EP came out. Now, I had a really cool place that I used to buy records from out in in, um, in Southgate where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And they would just get all these obscure demos and stuff from all these things. And I remember walking in there and I went there every day after school and they had Queen of the Rock playing. And I thought, oh, hey, man, when when did this Iron Maiden song come out? I never heard this. And the guy's like, oh, this isn't Iron Maiden. This is a band out of Seattle called uh, Queensryche. I have their demos for sale. Do you want one? And yeah. it was like three bucks or something yeah, like that. Awesome. Yes. And it was before they got signed. And so I got that, still have it. I don't even know if it's playable, and I don't have a cassette player anyway, but don't I mean, get, I was back. Don't let it get eaten. Oh, I know. I just, I kept that, and then and then obviously then it was released on EMI, and then, mm. then when the warning came out, oh, man. Uh, I had to beg my sister to take me to a show. <laughs> they were opening They were opening up for Accept and Dokken. They were the oh, opening wow. band. Been a cool wow. concert. Wow, that would be an awesome yeah. concert. It was Ron Keel, you know, Keel Open. Oh, yeah, wow. Keel. B1 loves Keel. Then Keel. Then Queensryche, then Dawkins, yeah. Okay. Except headlined. So we stayed for one song, and then that was it. I wanted to stay for Dawkins because I really liked Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Love George Lynch, you know, his playing. Oh, yeah. George Lynch is awesome. Yes. So yes. I was just like, at that point, 
done, you know, I was a solidified diehard Reich fan. Even when Rage for Order came out, I remember looking at the album cover going, what are these guys doing? This look is just horrible. <laughs> yeah, they look pretty goofy. <laughs> but, oh, they were terrible. It was like somebody literally like fixed them up for the Christmas pageant. It was terrible. And... But it didn't matter. The songs and the album no. was so incredible. It was yes. so ahead of its time. Yes, it was. And like I said, it just solidified me for for as a as a Reich fan back then. Queen's so, so I really wasn't was my first concert. Oh, yeah. no kidding! They Suicidal Tendencies was the opening band. Queen's over in wow, Fort that, Wayne, that would have been the show. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And Queensryche did the whole Operation Mind Crime yeah. from yep. beginning to end with awesome. screens and lasers. Oh. And, wow. Yeah, I was I was pretty now, young. Now see man. that would have been awesome. It was awesome. That's awesome. See, I saw them when they did the tour with Metallica during the Mind Crime tour, and mm. I thought to myself, "This is the worst pairing ever," <laughs> yeah. because. They're, they're because their fans, the, the Metallica fans, tore them up, was booing them off the stage mm. every night. You know, nah, um, that sucks because they just didn't understand it. You know, now do you and, do you like the Queensrÿche and now with what's his name with Latour on vocals? Man, I got to be honest with you, I don't. Um, I think he's a cool dude. I think he's got a cool voice, but to me, the voice will always be Jeff. Tate. You know, mm. is Jeff. And as much as I love Tate. And I'm seeing him solo. I I think I would have preferred to see Jeff doing like his own solo music as opposed to doing all the Queensryche songs because it's like it's kind of fueling this whole battle and this mm-hmm. this bitterness between the two, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And then there's no question. Obviously, Tate's two pack a day habit and drinking a lot of red wine because he owns a winery. Yeah, that's right, he does. You know, it, it took a toll. Drink. I, yeah, well, not at all. I love I love a good drink, but it just takes its toll on your voice. Right, and, right, right. And he, you know, like I said, two packs a day, and then that, you know, obviously he mm. just can't hit the notes like no, he used right, to. he right. can't. And it sucks. It sucks because I see him, and I'm like, oh, man, stop it. Just yeah. – just write your own, write new material, do something different, you know, but stop trading off the whole right thing. Yeah, right. Uh, unless they're going to somehow, some way, I think that would be the pinnacle, dude, if they somehow, right. some way got eight and DeGarmo and the original guys, Rock and Field yeah. and, and, and awesome. Jackson and Wilton and make the original and just do one last set of shows. Yes. How amazing would that be? Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. amazing. I wish there would be other bands to do the same thing. It would be so cool. They'd sell so many tickets like journey. For instance, those guys would be just oh. boom. That would be a oh, big dude. concert. Now, Journey's still making money. The problem is, is Neil Sean. He will never relent to let Steve back, man. No. And that's you know? just wrong. It's that's shame. Just so wrong. I mean, yeah, it is. I agree. 100%. I think it's a bunch of BS, but you know, you know, he just, from what I understand, that guy's a big jerk anyway, as much yeah. as I love his guitar playing. Oh, he's a good guitar um, player, but I've heard I heard he is a jerk. It's too bad. Yeah, and it sucks because I really, really dig their songs. I mean, let's yeah. face it, when when they call Journey the soundtrack to everybody's lives, dude, <laughs> for those of us born in the 60s and the 70s, they yeah. are the soundtrack to our yeah, lives, yeah. man. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhat in the 80s, too. If you went... If you went into a roller rink 
as a teenager and you weren't holding hands with a chick while oh. open arms was going Ooh, while open wow. arms was doing wow. it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I might have even rolled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean it's just that that's how much of an impact their songs oh, had absolutely, absolutely yeah and i still remember every time i heard one of their songs you know i mean yeah. that their albums are just great and i remember when frontiers hit and hearing separate ways and it was like oh my god his Ooh. voice on that mm. i mean just amazing 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 then the whole scandal happened and he was gone. It was like, what? You know, yeah. what, 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 why, who, when, where, you know, it <laughs> yeah. was kind of like, it was such a mess up. I was yeah. bummed, you know, our hearts were broken. Yes. And, you know, I've seen them at least two or three times now uh, with the new guy, with the, it's funny. So, we keep calling the new guy and he's been there 20 years now, you know, yeah, he's, uh, like, he's like 50. Yeah. He's like yeah, and, he, and we and we kind of, we keep calling him the new guy, you know. Uh, it's so funny, man. But uh, you know, I see them with the new guy, and yeah, you sound like you know like Steve, but you don't feel like Steve. No, no, no. And yeah. that's the big difference. You know what's crazy? You know, Dean Castro knows. Sounds like Steve Perry too when he sings. Yeah, he is an awesome vocalist. Yeah, he he sure does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you have you heard the band uh, Revolutionary Saints? Yeah, he's the singer no. and the drummer. He's the singer and the drummer. Oh, that's awesome! Check yeah. those guys out. I'm, yeah, uh, I think there's. I'm gonna have to. The other two guys in there are from overseas, and uh, yeah, they just. I think they just came out with a new album. And he also sang on. It's called Journey Through Time, where the old members of Journey yeah, got back sounds together with like Greg Rowley. Sounds just like Steve. Perry. And he sang most of the songs from Steve Perry. It's oh, awesome. Wow. Yeah, you can check oh, that out on cool. YouTube. They yeah. have the whole set on YouTube. It is awesome. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, so. I'm going to have to check that out. That's awesome. I'm just glad we blew your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, I love talking music, man, especially oh, yeah. with people that appreciate all forms of music, oh, you know? Yeah. So, Absolutely. Uh, yes. You know, because that's, uh, you know, you know, it's funny because you would not think, you know, Journey. But, I mean, it's funny because I remember calling, you know, George let me listen to a lot of the uh, Human Code tracks. It's not released yet, but, mm. you know, he, he, he sent me all of them and, and you know, ask my opinion on some of the mixes, and and uh, I, I remember calling him and just telling him, you know, this is cool, this is cool, that one I would change that. I go, by the way, I go, I I know we've known each other for you know, gosh, twenty thirty years. I go, I've never asked <laughs> you this, but are you? I go, are you influenced by Neil Sean? And he's like, yeah, Neil Sean's a big big influence on my playing. I'm like, yeah, I could I could totally tell. I could totally tell. I knew Santana was a big influence, but yeah, I could hear Sean on his new stuff. I could definitely hear that. I'll ask a few questions for you here. Sure. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a jabbermouth man. No, I no, that's all right. No, 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 we are too. We love it. What are some of your most favorite cover songs to perform live? Uh, by us? Yeah. Us performing live? Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, you know, I, <laughs> this is going to be funny. So we were at a show. Uh, I think in Florida and it got rained out. I mean, it got rained out bad where we were in our bus fighting and it was lightning and thunder and just pouring rain. Like I had never seen in my life. 
And the promoter comes out, knocks on the door, and we let him in. And he's like, there's nobody here, man. He goes, there's like 30 people here. And I go, well, we're going to go in. He was like telling us we didn't need to play. And I'm like, no, these people braved the rain like this to come out in this big torrential storm. We're going to go play. That's awesome. Yes. And so we're, we're going to go do this. And so we went and we played. And obviously spirits were low. We've been playing to a 1,000 people a night and on that tour. And, you know, and then now there's 30 people. And it was just kind of <laughs> weird in the rain. And, and we all got drenched walking from the bus to the, the, the stage door. So it was kind of like just kind of a bummer. We go on stage. We, we ditch the suits. This is the river tour. And uh, I had just gotten a new rig, a new guitar rig. And one of the settings that the, the, the guys over at Lab Sound set up for me sounded a lot like uh, another brick in the wall. Mm. So I just started playing it right in the middle of the set. You know, <laughs> we're supposed to be going into one song and I just start playing. We don't need no education, you know. And dude, the whole band just followed suit and we just all kicked in and started playing and it That's was awesome. so fun. So, yeah. cool. um, so that was improv too. You know, we, we yeah. didn't even, we didn't plan that. So that That's was awesome. a favorite. Um, awesome. And then another song that we knew in the early days, we always played Soldiers uh, from Striper. We, yeah. And that and, that and Surrender. When we went more thrash, we stopped. Every once in a while, I'd want to pull it out. You know, I'd want to play like Surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, because I love singing, you know, and thrash right. doesn't always accommodate for singing. But, uh, yeah, so it, it, I'd probably say those were, were fun. And then another song that we did live that was just... We only did it once, and then we recorded it, but uh, the label wouldn't release it for whatever reason. Was uh, Space Oddity from oh, Bowie? Wow, we had so much fun playing that live. We I think we only did it once or twice live, and then and then I think one of the most awkward moments. This was actually in Ohio. Oh, we played the King's Place, and just right in the middle of the show. I don't know what was, I guess we'd been on the road for a month and I was missing my wife. And, mm-hmm. uh, I I mentioned talking to her before we went on stage and, uh, I just started singing hello from, uh, Neil Diamond and <laughs> played it on actually on my keyboard. I had my keyboard set up and I started playing it on piano and everything That's else. Funny. And hello again. Hello. You know? <laughs> I, 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 hey, I love Neil. Diamond. Yeah. He's got some good songs. <laughs> Oh, dude, wow. now, that's again, you know, doesn't matter about whether you like the artist or like, you know, the right, band, right? That's a good song's a good song. And dude, yep. that guy wrote monster good amount song. of good songs. Absolutely. Dude. Yeah. Absolutely. That is awesome to hear. Like I mean, you're playing heavy stuff like that and you still love stuff like Neil Diamond. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I man. love that. I love oh, that. yeah. I grew up very eclectic in our household. You know, everybody had their turn on the on the big stereo in the living room. Yeah. And you, you heard everybody's different that, you know, I was the baby of the family out of, you know, I had uh, two sisters and a brother ahead of me. And then my family, my, my mom was a big music fan. My dad was a big music fan. His was always country and Western. Mm-hmm. My mom was, my mom was like Spaniard music because she was Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, <clears throat> then my sister, Julie was all about disco and, you know, the trendy pop stuff of the seventies. Right. And right. my brother was Bowie and Zeppelin and mm-hmm. my sister 
you know, was, you know, whatever, Bob Seger or whatever. And then when it came to me, I just played everything and anything. I just grabbed all their records and played it. And then snuck some kiss in there every once in a while. Sure. So. You got to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, Jimmy, if you guys could open up for any band, who would it be in the whole world? Past, oh, present, man. future? Well, we already opened up for Kiss, so that was cool. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. It don't get much bigger than that. Yeah, we played we played a, a thing out in L.A. called the Foundations Forum, and they only asked us to come out and perform four songs. And so we did. We came out and played four songs, and it was opening for Kiss. Now, here was the cool part, though. Okay. It, it was not only a part of nerves, but it was a part of just absolute glee for a guy like me who grew up <laughs> listening to, to, you know, Kiss. Right. I'm, I'm there playing and singing. And, and if you've seen me, which you guys have, uh, I tend to sing with my eyes closed most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'll make, I'll make contact with the audience, but for the most part, I, I just sing with my eyes closed. And Manny starts like patting me on the shoulder while I'm singing. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And he points and he points up at the balcony and Paul and Gene are wow. watching us wow. play. Sweet. Wow. And I'm like, wow. oh my gosh, I started geeking out, but then I got really nervous. <laughs> and so then Kiss plays and we watch their entire set. We're super excited. We're right. stoked. And then they do the autograph thing, you know, and I stand in line and I'm standing in line. I'm probably about 15 people deep mm-hmm. and there's probably a hundred people behind me. And Paul's there and he spots me and he goes, Hey, you come here. <laughs> and I'm uh, like me, you know, I'm like looking around, you know, classic movie moment, you know, right, and, right. and, and I go over there and he's like, you're the singer from that band. You know, that New York accent is, you know, you're yeah. the singer from that band, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, I love your voice. It's very Bowie influenced. I love that. And he goes with the heavy music. That's just really cool. And he grabs a chair and he says, sit down. And he just sits and talks with me. And that's so awesome. <laughs> I mean, dude, I was blown away. We talked for at least a half hour and until Gene like nudged him and said, you know, we've got a lot of people here, you know, (laughs) that to sign for. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I go, Hey man, I'll let you get back to your gig. I go, just, you have no idea what a dream come through. This was, you know, just to sit and talk with you, you know? And, uh, and I go, and more importantly, just to, (laughs) you know, and I'm like signaling to Manny and John and, like, bring me CDs, bring me CDs, you know, because I wanted to give them to Paul, you know. So we gave him the Stay and the Learn CD because we were promoting Learn at the time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I gave him, the, gave him to Paul. I don't know if he ever listened to him or whatever, but. No, he you know, might have. Yeah. He probably did. Yeah. So. But I thought, how cool to take time to say, hey, love your yeah. voice, love the whole Bowie meets metal awesome. thing. It's yes. great. That is awesome. That's a great you know? story. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. Paul was super sweet. Real nice guy. Real That's nice guy. Awesome. I didn't get to meet Gene as much as I'd wanted to, but, and it was at that time, I think it was Bruce Kulik or yeah. playing mm-hmm. guitar. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Eric Carr on drums. So mm-hmm. I remember I got to shake Eric's hand. Um, wow. Which was cool. Yeah. That is awesome. Yes. That guy was a great drummer. Yes, he was. Oh, yes, he was, man. He sure was. Finally, Jimmy, what is next for you? Give us a little <laughs> insight. Oh man, <laughs> you know I am—I'm always doing something. You know, I spent uh, 
16 years in the casino business, you know, um, I did read a- that. after deliverance. I read that. Yeah. After deliverance, I, you know, had to, had to join the workforce and, mm. and, uh, I ended up doing that. And then, uh, one day just woke up and realized that I just don't want to rob people of their money anymore. And <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't just that I was like a host or anything else. The job I had at that moment, I was director of, uh, of marketing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was my job to do the billboards and entice people to come in and, you know, bring, sell them the dream. And I started getting to know a lot of my clients because they were regulars and, right. and seeing people lose their businesses and everything else, all chasing the dragon, you know, just yeah. chasing that jackpot. And it just affected me. I mean, really bad. It affected me. And, um, I just woke up and realized I don't want to do this anymore. And I, I, you know, I talked to my wife, you know, and I said, you know, she's like, well, what is it that you want to do? And I said, I, you know, the kids are grown now. I, I, I want to do music. I want to do my music again. I, I, I go, rock. would you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just want to, I just want to do music again. And he's like, well, then do it, you know, do whatever you got to do. And then I, I had a fan out in France real sweetheart of a gal. She just, she mostly knew me from my fearful symmetry stuff. But when she found out about deliverance and Jupiter six and you know, all this stuff, she was just, you know, I was like, man, we, you, you know, I set up something called Patreon. Do you know what that is? I'm like, I have Mm -hmm. no idea what that is. And I go, I have no idea what this Patreon is. She goes, okay, well it's, and I go, I'm not doing that. And she's like, well, I already set it up for you. You got to just go on and change the passwords and start uploading stuff but you need to do this. And I'm like, I am not going to beg people for money. And she's like, you're not, you're not begging people for money. She goes, every artist back in the old days, she goes with the phenomena of the 20th century mm. is a phenomenon because everything back beyond then, all artists, poets, even science had to have their stuff funded by patrons. And she goes, mm. and it's, it's the same thing. All independent artists now are needing to be funded by patrons. Mm, so fact. you're not begging for money. Yeah. So she goes, just deliver. And I'm like, okay, well, well, and it took me three, four months before I finally said, okay, I'll do it. And, uh, started doing it. And, you know, I've been able to hold on to uh, a nice amount. Uh, you know, I, I love to call them my faithful 80 because it just, it <laughs> yeah. seems to never grow beyond that, but it never sinks below that, which is great. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people come and go, you know, like if you, if you join it for five, just for five bucks a month, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing you pay for, you pay more at Starbucks, you know, for a stupid cup of coffee, right? Uh, but you get the, you get the novella CDs sent to you for free, not to mention hundreds and hundreds of songs yeah. sent to you. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. well worth it, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. But yeah. And more importantly, you're helping me continue do music, you know, so yeah. that way I could do this because and we want, you, you know, to do I that. mean, yes. I do get some royalties from the frontline catalog, but it's not as much as you would think. Right. Um, I mean, everyone, and, every, everyone thinks when you're on tour, you're you making know, money. You're, you're on a big tour bus, and like, there's just all kinds of stuff going on. Ah, uh, and a lot of yeah. times that's not. You <laughs> it's know, not you're true. Just, that that's not how. Well, it works. that's that stuff has to be paid for, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. and it's expensive. Right. 
Right. You know, I mean, everybody's like, well, Zeppelin owned their own jet. And I'm like, yeah, but they had to pay for the hangar. They had to pay for the fuel. They had to pay for the pilot. They had to pay for the crew. I mean, big deal. They owned their own jet. There's a lot to owning a jet. (laughs) It all adds up. It's not all about the jet. (laughs) There's exactly a lot behind the scenes, just like a rock concert. Yep. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, it's just, it's it's so funny. People just see things like that. And, you know, well, I mean, put it this way, you know, I think Deliverance made enough to buy a couple of Vespa scooters. So there you go, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. I just got to say, you you influenced me. So I I just want to say thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. you. Influenced me and I appreciate that. Me too. That. The first time I heard Weapons Over Warfare wasn't some church youth group mm-hmm. thing when I was a senior in high school and they played weapons video and I was hooked. Yeah. And then I went oh, out wow. and bought that's you guys' awesome. cassettes and boom. Yep. Oh, that's sinker. so cool. Yeah. And I'm not even a like a like a churchy guy. B one is. And uh my buddy's brother, I'm like listening to like heavy stuff and mm-hmm. He's like, listen sure. to this album from Deliverance. And I was like, uh, wow, these guys kick ass. And oh, that's I, awesome, I've been man. a fan ever since, yeah. and that was when I was 14 years old. So I just want to say oh, that. Oh, dude, that man. is so cool. That so, is so cool, bro. Thank so, you so much. Yeah, for, no, thank, thank you for continuing yeah, you, to listen. You, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> influenced you. us thank greatly, you. and we're going to keep buying your albums. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, man. That means a lot to me. It means a lot to yeah. us. Yeah. So we're big fans. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Well, well, I'll keep you guys informed now that I've got your number locked into my cell. I'll keep you informed as to when we're going to do a do a new record. Okay. You know, we're, we're, I'm writing it right now, okay. uh, but we're hopefully looking. We're looking at a spring release and hopefully going on tour to, to promote it. So, awesome. um, if you come around, we'll be yeah. there. Yeah. Awesome, we'll bro. There. Awesome. I plan on making another trip to Sweetwater here in the next couple of months. So if I'm there, we got to go do dinner, man, since you guys live close. Yes, give us us a call. We will make that happen. definitely do that. Oh, yeah. I'll let you know when I'm coming out because I want to go see Delvin and go do – I mean, because, man, they took care of us last time we were there. So I want to go and and get treated nicely again. It's always good to get treated nicely. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, we thank you, Jimmy, for coming on the Headbangers Vault. We you. greatly appreciate this. Oh, man, anytime. Anytime you guys want to. I know I talk a lot, but yeah. if you ever want to like, hey, you know what? We don't have a guest. Let's fill it. Like, Jimmy, you want to appear? Yeah, sure. I'll do a part oh, yeah. two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, we'll do that. Yeah, we'd love that. Yes. That's awesome, man. I love, that talk, is awesome. love talking music. Love talking music with you guys, man. It's awesome. That's what we do. I'll probably cry myself to sleep tonight (laughs) thinking what we just did today. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Everybody, like, follow, share. Check us out. Spotify, Podbean, and what Nikki Lane says. If it's too loud, you're too old. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Keep rocking out there, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Headbangers Vault, bringing you the best in rock and metal music and music talk with your hosts, B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Check us out on your social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you'd be interested in being a part of our show or advertising with us, please visit our webpage at headbangersvault.podbean.com. 
And remember, if it's too loud, you're too old. <laughs>